if the appraisal doesn't come in where you want it to, then one other thing that you can do is you can ask for another appraisal. And that is going to cost some extra money. And it may not come out in your favor. But maybe if you didn't give them that data the first time, maybe you can give this next appraiser all the data and do it do it differently this time. Or you might be able to use maybe some of the ideas that come out of the first appraisal of maybe other things you could do to make your property even stand out even better for that second appraisal and get a higher. Yeah. And then something else that I've seen uh, people do is also work with their agent and have their agent find comps and then send that, send those comps to the lender. And then the lender in turn will send that to the appraiser. And that would be another great way of giving them some data uh, making your case that the property should appraise higher and then increase your chances of success. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the Crash Course in Cash Flowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E, or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fastfire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, we are excited to be here to talk about one of my favorite subjects ever, which is forced appreciation. And specifically, how do you force appreciation in one to four unit properties? So these are the smaller multifamily properties. And we get this question a lot from our community. So we wanted to make sure to address it. Yeah. And so forced appreciation for those who don't know what that is, is it's when you can increase the value of a property and you control that as opposed to market appreciation, which is how how the value of your home just goes up because prices in the neighborhood go up. And so forced appreciation is relevant to investment properties. uh, And when you have a rental property and you can increase the income of that rental property, you can actually increase the value of that. uh, And this works really well for the larger multifamily properties, right? So anything five units and above, those properties are generally uh, appraised based on how much income they generate. So again, more income, 
more value. Yeah. And, and it's really more cash flow, right? Because you can increase the income or you can decrease expenses. And so I think of real estate, each building is actually a little business. And if you can make that business produce more for, for you and for the next investor, then that business is worth more. I think that's an easy way to explain it. So that's what forced depreciation is, is you, you make your, your building more profitable and now it's worth more money. So let's talk about the problem movement uh, that a lot of our students ask us about and and really dive in. So the question that a lot of uh, our students ask about is these smaller properties, these one to four unit properties. And we're going to break this up into first talking about the two to four units. So that's like a duplex, triplex, or a fourplex. And then separately, we're going to talk about single family homes because you know I think they're really kind of very different. Uh, so let's first talk about the two to four unit properties. And the question becomes... What about those properties? Are those properties, are, uh, are they going to be based on how much income they generate? Can you force appreciation in those properties? And that's the question. And so in order for us to kind of talk about this in, in further depth, I think we got to talk about how these properties are valued, how they're appraised. Uh, and let me talk to you about the appraisal process. And we have a really great article on appraisals. Uh, and we'll include the link below. But appraisals are based on one of three methods. Uh, the first one is the market method. And this is the method I was just talking about, where the value is based on what's going on in the surrounding area, right? How are, are prices going up? Are prices going down? Are prices stagnant, right? And your house will be valued on what's going on in the market. And usually they use comps for that. They look right. at you know other duplexes or fourplexes that have sold nearby. And ideally there are some, but in often often case there isn't in the close vicinity. And then they're looking at what those sold for and they're using the comp method to really decide what your property's worth. Yep. The next method is the income method. And this is what we were just talking about, where if you can increase the income of your property, then that property should be worth more because an investor should be willing to pay more for a business that generates more money. Uh, and so what the appraiser will do is look at the income of the property and then you apply a certain formula to determine the value of that property. And then the third method uh, is called the cost method. And that is, if you had to kind of build that property back up from the ground up, what would the cost be to build that property? Also taking into account the fact that it's not a new build because the property is not new anymore. Yeah, it's called the cost method and a way for appraisers to determine the value. And for big properties, oftentimes appraisers will lean more on that income method. So they'll look at how the property is performing and they'll say, you know, this property, you know, maybe it, it was making... 30,000 a month before, now it's making 50,000 a month. Now, based on the income, it's worth more. But for the small properties, what happens? Yeah, well, that's, that's the problem is that they could be using you know, the market method or the income method. We're going to kind of leave the cost method aside because that's not really, we haven't typically seen people rely on that, but let's talk about the market and income method. And so for your two to four unit property, it might be based on the market method. It might be based on the income method. It might be a combination. It's a combination. kind of up to the appraiser. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? It's a, and if you read that article on appraisals, the appraisal appraiser can essentially choose a value. They do all this analysis, the market, income, and cost, and then they basically just pick a number. Uh, based on that. And the question is, is that number closer to the income method? Is that closer to the market method? Maybe sometimes it's closer to the cost method. So uh, it's really, really hard to predict. And what happens to our students is that they buy these properties, they fix them up, and they're really relying on the value of that property going up. Because if the value of that property goes up, then they can do something called a cash out refi, pull out their money, and essentially 
be in on that property with no money down. It's called the Burr method, B-R-R-R-R. And that method is a way for you to buy something and essentially have no money down on that property after you refinance. Uh, and so that's one way. Uh, uh, and that's why it's so important for you to have a higher value property. Well, actually, some of our students are actually selling too, and they're wanting to get that maximum appraisal when they sell. Obviously, if you sell for cash, this is the one loophole you don't need really an appraisal for because then the person's buying in cash. You don't have to deal with all of that, and they're going to value it at whatever they're going to value at. And maybe you have a duplex. Like we we got lucky once. We had a duplex that we increased the income a lot. We decreased expenses, and then we had a cash buyer who came in and paid a lot of money for this property, and who knows what it would have appraised at. So cash is one loophole here, but let's just assume that you either want to cash out refi or you want to sell a property to somebody and you need that highest appraisal possible. What can you do if you don't get it? Yeah. And then I think this is kind of where uh, a lot of people get stuck. You know, the appraisal comes in low and they're just like, well, now what, what do I do? Right. And uh, sometimes people will walk away from deals because it didn't appraise and they have an appraisal contingency, which allows them to walk away if the appraisal doesn't come in uh, at the, at the expected level. Uh, And so, so what are some things that you can do if an appraisal comes low? And and we really like to be proactive and problem solve. So we're going to give you some ideas here. And these are some ideas and things that people in our community have done with success. So these are these are real things. So the first thing that you can do is that you can be proactive and you can preempt the appraisal by sending your lender all the work that you've done, all the renovation you've done, all the money you've spent on improving the property, show them before and after pictures of what the property look, used to look like, what it looks like now, and show them that, wow, this kitchen looks amazing now, right? And so even if the appraiser using the market method, they should take into account whether the property is newer and renovated versus old. Because at the end of the day, an outdated kitchen does not have the same value as an updated one. So when they have those figures and something to go by, you're much more likely to get that higher valuation. Yeah. And this is especially important if they're using more of the market method and they're looking at other duplexes nearby or selling for much less, but those haven't been fixed up and yours has, and you've just fixed it up. And now you want to burr and you want to get that cash out refi. You know, your property is different than theirs. So you want to really show them, show the appraiser that that's the case. Yeah. And keep in mind, you know, the appraiser doesn't necessarily have this information at their fingertips. So if you can feed them some of this information, then at the end of the day, I think they'll be very appreciative of that, first of all, but it will also help your case significantly. So the next thing that you can do is you can really work with your lender and you really want to make sure that you have the right lender on your team. And we always talk about this. A lot of people go out and shop for rates and and choose whatever lender gives them the lowest rate, but we, we don't do that, right? We have a trusted partner, somebody we work with all the time. We're consistent. We've used the same lender for the last six years. And, and this is somebody who is in our corner and works with us. And, and a thought partner. And, and a thought partner, thought exactly. Partner. And that's the key here is that what you want to do is you want to have somebody that you can work with, somebody who you can problem solve with, somebody you can be proactive with, like we just talked about. Uh, and so I think that's a really, really important one. So if you don't have a good investor-friendly lender, then you need to make sure you have one on your team. This episode is brought to you by Tyler Curley of Path Insurance Solutions. Tyler is who we go to for all of our insurance needs. We first started working with Tyler when we bought our first investment properties. And since then, he has not only helped insure all of our investment properties, he's also helped us with our personal insurance needs as well. 
Tyler's an invaluable member of our team for our investment properties because he's so knowledgeable and he also finds you the best policies without breaking the bank. So the next time you need insurance, be sure to reach out to Tyler at tyler at pathins.com. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semi-retiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. So the next thing is if the appraisal doesn't come in where you want it to, then one other thing that you can do is you can ask for another appraisal. And that is going to cost some extra money and it may not come out in your favor, but maybe if you didn't give them that data the first time, maybe you can give this next appraiser all the data and do it do it differently this time. Or you might be able to use maybe some of the ideas that come out of the first appraisal of maybe other things you could do to make your property even stand out even better for that second appraisal and get a higher. Yeah. And then something else that I've seen uh, people do is also work with their agent and have their agent find comps and then send that, send those comps to the lender. And then the lender in turn will send that to the appraiser. And that would be another great way of giving them some data, uh, making your case that the property should appraise higher and then increase your chances of success. All right. So then the last one uh, that we've actually seen a student utilize a couple now. with success, yeah, several, is you can challenge the appraisal. This is uh, one of what, something that uh, happened to one of our students. She wrote out a whole challenge letter and for those who are interested uh, in seeing this uh, letter and maybe using this, uh, we'll include a free download uh, and you can access this by going to semiretiredmd.com forward slash appraisal. And so you can download that. And basically what she did was she wrote a letter and built her case. And she said she gave all the reasons why the property should have appraised higher. She provided comps. She also provided uh, some of the renovations she did. Ultimately, it's opposite of being proactive. It was actually something that you do after the process, after your appraisal comes in low, uh, but you still provide them all that same data. So let's talk a little bit about single family homes, yeah. because that's that's also actually very different from duplexes and fourplexes, which are very clearly investment properties that if you're 1031ing, you're probably selling to an investor or you're, you know, cash out refining. It's obviously staying an investment property, but single family homes a little bit different. So what's the issue there? Yeah. So for single family homes, I mean, they're very clearly going to be appraised based on the market method. And now, I don't want to say that it's that's the case all the time, right? So there may be some income method. And we've kind seen of influence, that. And we've seen that, yeah. So so for single-family homes that are a rental, uh, maybe you're renting to a long-term renter, or maybe actually you're renting to a short-term rental, rental right? But so short-term rentals, uh, if you guys don't know, they can generate more income, right? And so maybe you can make the case that uh, the single-family home should be based on the income method. But generally speaking, I would say that most appraisers are going to look at a single-family home 
and they're going to go find some comps and they're going to use the market method. And that's the other thing about single family homes is that it's usually very easy to find comps for single family homes. If you think about two to four units, right? How many two to four units are available, uh, especially if your two to four unit is in a neighborhood of single family home? Yeah, it's in a residential area. These are the types of two to four units that we like to buy. In that situation, there aren't a lot of comps for two to four units, but single family homes are comps everywhere, right? And so that's the reason why I think that appraisers tend to, uh, or one of the reasons why appraisers tend to uh, value properties based on the market method using comps. Uh, and well, so, and also you're selling a single family home usually to non-investor, right? You're selling it to a primary home buyer, where again, duplexes, fourplexes, you're probably selling it to an investor, unless it's a person house hacking, for example, they may not be an investor. Yeah, but I think the question here, though, is that can you force appreciation on single family homes? And I think at the end of the day, you can, right? You just have to know how to do that. So so let's talk through some of the some of the ways you might be able to force appreciation on a single family home. Yeah, so single family homes, a lot of their value is really in the kitchen and the bathrooms, right? And so if you can improve the kitchen and the bathroom, just think about how much more attractive that property will look to a primary home buyer. And then also to your appraiser, if they're comparing, uh, if they're using comps in the area and they don't have really nice kitchens and bathrooms, you're going to be much more likely potentially to get a better uh, better appraisal because of that. Yeah, and then do the same thing that we talked about earlier, like share those pictures, right? Because what the appraiser is going to do is they're going to find recently sold homes in the area that are similar to your property. They're going to look at the pictures there and see what the kitchen looks like. And then they look at your kitchen and assuming you did a great job, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, wow, okay, this is a much, much nicer kitchen. Uh, then they're going to give you that bump in value, most likely. Another thing you can do is add bedrooms or add bathrooms, right? Because then they're comps become a different group of comps, mm-hmm. right? If it's a four bedroom versus a three bedroom, it's a totally different group of properties that, that your appraiser is going to be looking at. And so you're going to be in a different range of prices at that point. Yeah. And for those who don't know how the appraisal process works, I mean, what they do is they look at, you know, they let's say your be, your home is a three bedroom, two bath home. Well, if, if, the, if the comps in the neighborhood are, you know, let's say one bedroom less, then they're going to give your property a more value because it has an extra bedroom, right? So if you can add a bedroom, uh, an extra bathroom, even a garage, maybe a pool. I mean, these are the things that will actually increase the value of your property and force that appreciation. Yeah, I think also increasing the square footage of livable space is another one. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you're going to add bedrooms or bathrooms if you're like building out a uh, basement that was previously unfinished, but that's obviously going to add a lot of value as well. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so the bottom line is that yes, you can force appreciation. Uh, it's going to be a little bit most likely going to be a little bit different than how you force appreciation for two to four units and also the larger multifamily properties. But the bottom line is that it can be done, uh, but you have to be very uh, deliberate about it. And and the more planning you can do, knowing that that's your exit strategy is you're trying to force appreciation, you're trying to do a cash out refi, or you're trying to sell it for significant gain, you want to plan for that ahead of time. And I would say even even before you buy it, you want to be targeting properties where there is an opportunity to add a bedroom, you know, uh, add a bathroom or improve the kitchen and bathroom significantly. Right. Because that's ultimately what's going to give you that step up in wealth that forced appreciation does. And so it's not just going to be only cash flow; It's going to be that forced appreciation uh, bump that you're going to get. Now, 
I want to throw in another thing for you. So we've been talking about how you can help with a low appraisal if you're selling a property. But what about if you buy a property and the appraisal comes in low? So a lot of people freak out at that point and they're worried and maybe they they are worried that the property is not worth very much and they're not going to go through with the deal. And a lot of people will back out at, of deals at that point, right? Because they have that appraisal contingency. But we actually see that as an opportunity. It's actually a really great thing when that happens because as the buyer now you have another ability to negotiate. And so I wanted to throw that in here because don't don't worry if your appraisal comes in low. It is an opportunity for you as the buyer to go in, negotiate, get an even better price, and you might walk away with something that turned from a good deal into a phenomenal deal. So that's all we have for you. We hope you enjoyed this show. Remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review, and we'll see you next time. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.